in the middle of a collection of talks entitled One Day. Everybody say One Day. One day. We kicked this off last week. We're doing it today, and then we've got next week. This series kind of leads us into, into Easter. And the whole, the whole idea and premise behind, behind these talks is, is that every, every day is not just another day. It's not just another day, but everything that God wants to do, everything great that God wants to do in all of our lives, it begins with, with one day. I think so often we, we, I know myself included, we kind of we take the days for granted and we assume that, oh, it's just another Monday, just kind of live into Friday, right, just can't wait until Saturday and, and Sunday, kinda, that's when I'm going to kind of get my praise on, right, kind of you know, like do my thing and meet some people and I don't even know what I just did there, I was like, like moving my head, like I can't really dance, I want to be able to dance, I can't dance, that's, that's the best, that's, that's all I got for you right there and, and uh and, and but so we're 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 talking from this idea of one day, and and our whole all of our talks kind of kind of come from Acts chapter three, about eight verses that give us some context for, for all of our content for these three weeks, and and we find Luke the author is writing here in Acts three, and he says, one day, Peter and John went to the temple at three o'clock, the time set each day for afternoon prayer. There at the temple gate called Beautiful Gate was a man who had been crippled all of his life. Every day he was carried to this gate to beg for money from the people going into the temple. Now the man saw Peter and John going into the temple. He asked them for money just as he did everybody else. But Peter and John looked straight at him and said, look at us. The man looked, thinking they're going to give him some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver, no gold. What I do have, it's something else. And I'm going to give it to you. By the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Then Peter took the man's right hand, lifted him up, and immediately the, hands, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. He went to the temple with them, went to the temple with them, went to the temple with them, walking and jumping and praising God. And we were, we were talking about how every day this crippled man was laid at the gate. And each day, Peter and John went to the temple through the gate in order to get to their daily 3 o'clock afternoon time of prayer. Every day the crippled man's at the gate. Each day Peter and John are going through the gate, seeing this crippled man. But one day something, something changed. One day wasn't just another day. One, one day Peter and John realized, I, I, think we can, I think we can actually help this guy. They recognized, here it is, they recognized that on this day, on this one day, they could actually make a difference. And I think that's what God wants to speak to us today. Is that every day is a day in which God has equipped you, called you, and given you the opportunity to do something great in somebody else's life. God wants, I'm telling you, man, He wants to use us. He really does. He really does. And maybe, maybe you're unfamiliar with that. Maybe you're kind of new to a space like this or to a community of faith and we just believe that God is a good God. He desires good things. He wants to give good gifts unto his children. He wants to use us to share the good news about him to other people. And I want to talk from a message entitled this morning, Take Him With You. Take Him With You. It says that when Peter and John gave that crippled man something the crippled man didn't even know he was looking for. They gave him Jesus. They didn't even know, he didn't even know he was looking for Jesus. It says that he, they went with him to the temple Walking and jumping and praising God. I want to talk for just the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes from a, from a talk entitled, Take Them With You. Let's pray one more time this morning. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the moments that we have to gather together and to just share this time in space, in relationship with one another. But God, we want to we ultimately see Jesus more clearly. Would you speak to us, God? Reveal your son Jesus to us in ways that we've yet to see. Give us courage and boldness to leave this place and make you known. God, we, we pray for all of our kids back in their classrooms today. We ask that you would reveal your love, your mercy, and your goodness, your grace to them. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody who agreed said? Amen, amen and amen. Um, how many of you in here would say you have the propensity or oftentimes you, you find yourself losing your keys or your phone more often than you'd like to admit? Can I see your hand? A few of you, a few of you some husbands are pointing at their wives. That is, that is we'll do marriage counseling afterwards. Zach and Chelsea. And, uh, and, um, and, and I, 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 um, I have a really, really bad tendency of losing my phone, my keys, my wallet uh, more than I'd like to admit. This, this is the honest to God truth. My wife could attest to it. This is no exaggeration. I lose at least one of those items once a week. Uh, I really do. It's, it's really a shame. Like, I, I don't like it. I'm not proud about it. In fact, it freaks me out. Come on, I mean, we live in America in the 21st century. If you lose your phone, it's like you've lost your soul. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I need that thing by my side, in my pocket, at all times, right? Like, like in, in this, this past week in particular... Uh, we were we were meeting some friends for dinner on on Wednesday night, and 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 I was at our team space, which is kind of like a, it's our office, it's like our central location that that's it's like our permanent space that we use for meetings and band rehearsal and all of that sort of thing. And I'm there, and Ethos U, which is our college age, like our high school college age ministry, they meet on the first and shout out to Ethos U, they meet on the first and third, shout out to a few other people too, and. <laughs> on the first and third Wednesday of, of every month. And so they're coming in. Some of those people are starting to come in, and they're, they're getting ready to set up for the night. And, and I, had to, I had to leave really fast because we had to get home, and Sid was coming over. We had to get out of the house. You know, it's like one of those nights where you just kind of, you got to get home, get out of the house as fast as you can. And, and I left my bag. I left my bag, my, my backpack, which, if you know me, I go everywhere with my backpack. Like, it's, it's always with me. My laptop is in there. I carry I carry all of my different electronics in there, and, 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 and in fact, on this particular time, too, I had just got a whole new batch of checks, like bank checks, and that was in there, too. I hadn't taken them out yet, and, and so needless to say, it's a pretty valuable, pretty valuable bag, and, and I'm on my way home, and I realized that I had forgotten my bag there, and I only live about five minutes away, but we were running so far behind, I, I thought, you know, I'll go back later tonight, and I'll grab it. I had some more work I had to do, and I'll go back after dinner, and I'll, I'll get it. And, and so, so we get done with dinner, and we come back home, and I told my wife, I said, I need to go back and get my bag. And she said, do you want me to go? And you can get the kids to bed and kind of start working on whatever you need to do. And I, I said, that'd be great. So she goes, goes to the team space, and some of the, some of the students were still there. And, and, and one of the girls, one of our leaders uh, who, who works back in our, our kids' ministry, she's amazing, love her so much. Her name is Jade. Jade was there, and, and well, that's like, that's more energy than you ever give when I ever preach. So every time I just need some feedback, I just say, Jade. Wow, that, it actually works. That's, that's amazing. Finally. Okay, I know the key word now. We're like Jesus. People are like, yep, Jesus. We're like, Jade. We're like, Jade! Oh, my God, I love Jade! I love her, too. And, and so, 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 so my wife and Jade are looking for my bag, right? My wife's looking 
looking at some of the rooms at the team space. And it's not a very big space. There's not a whole lot of spaces that it could be hiding. And, and so she's looking at some of the room while Jade is looking like in the common area. And I was convinced that's where I left my bag. I knew I left my bag somewhere like the open common area. And, 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 but, but, but nobody could find it. And Courtney comes home and says, babe, we could not find your bag. I'm like, well, I got to go back and look myself. He's like, babe, we couldn't find it. I don't think it's there. Like, are you sure you left it there? And I'm never sure where I left anything. Like, <laughs> so no, I'm not sure, but I have to go look for myself. And so, so I go back to the team space, and I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, man, I got to find this thing. There's too many items in there. Like, this can't be stolen. And, and so, so I go back, and the first person I see is Jade. I walk in, and, and Jade says, oh, she said, Jordan, I'm sorry we couldn't find your bag. And instantly, literally, right in that moment, I look right beside Jade, literally right I'm telling you, right beside Jade. I look, and I, and I say, Jade, that's my bag right there. And she's like, that's your bag? Yeah. And, and she's like, I thought your bag was gray. Like, even if you did, were you wondering why there's a random bag? <laughs> Sitting here like, <laughs> it's funny, right? Like, Fortunately, I found it. But I started to think throughout this week, I started, started to think, I, I think sometimes we kind of do that same thing to, to Jesus. I, I think we're, we're looking for Jesus, but, but we think he looks different than what he really looks like. I, I, think, I think sometimes we think Jesus is, he's just kind of a life coach of sorts. Like, like oh, yep, yep, I go to Jesus for some good advice. I, I listen to Jesus when I, when I really need something, kind of just some, some good some good counsel, or, or we think that Jesus just simply came to, to make bad people good. And, and oh, yeah, that, that, that's him. Yeah, I feel like I'm a pretty good person now, so I don't really need Jesus any, any longer. And, or, or we think that Jesus is just kind of like a, a supplement or, 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 or just a, a random appointment on our already busy and full schedules, when the truth is that Jesus isn't a life coach at all. Jesus is king, so much better than life coach. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Here's the reality in how, how great Jesus is. He didn't just come to make bad people good because the truth is, is we're all kind of bad people. He came to take spiritually dead people and give them life. People who were once lost and help them to recognize that they've now been found in the presence of Almighty God. He's not just an appointment on our busy calendars. Jesus is everything all of the time. This, this, is, this is what I've come to discover. That Jesus plus nothing is all that we really need. But everything minus Jesus is nothing. It's nothing. And so we search high and low and try to find the things we're looking for. And we assume that if we, if we get the new car or the new house, that's going to fill the void. Or we assume that if we can just date that person or we had that wife or we, or we had those types of children or we had that job, then everything would, I'm telling you, you can have everything you think that you need, but without Jesus, we really have nothing. It is the truest and most, and most simplest form of, of just kind of, of kind of, really recognize life's that simple. It is that simple. Jesus plus nothing is everything. I think this is why small groups are so important. I really do. Because it's within community that we come back to remembering. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had friends who, who, who I feel like the whole world's caving in, right? Like, it's like, this is terrible. And you have these friends, and they just kind of recenter your focus Back on Jesus. Come on, man, let's pray. Let's trust. Let's believe that God is still God. It's, it's, he, he's, he's everything.
It's everything. I think one of the most beautiful stories that illustrates this more clearly than anything else in the scriptures is found in Luke chapter 5, verse, verse 17. Listen to what the author Luke writes. He, he begins by saying, check this out, he says, he says, one day, one day while Jesus was teaching, there's some Pharisees and teachers of religious law and they're, they're sitting nearby. Now these are the men, kind of the, the, the holiest of holies, so to speak. They, but they, they not only, they not only try, to, try to live out the law in an exact reference to how the law was meant to be lived, but they even added some stuff to the law so they could be seen as holier than they really were. And they, these men were always challenging Jesus. They were always coming up against Jesus because they didn't like the influence that Jesus was gaining. They didn't like the notoriety that Jesus was, was growing in. It says they're sitting nearby, and, and it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus in that moment. Now before we go any further, uh, there's some things we have to first understand and give us some context so that we can better understand what this story is really all about. Now, now I don't know about you, but, but my wife and I, we, we like, there's like certain shows that we really like to watch. Like, like, like This Is Us is one of those like new hit shows, which I don't know, but I think it's kind of already going downhill. I just feel that way, but I'm, maybe it's the unpopular opinion. My wife still forces me to watch it. And and, uh, but, but, but one of our favorite shows of all time that we just started rewatching again is, is The West Wing. If you've never seen The West Wing, it's like, I think it's the best political drama. I, I like politics, and, um, and don't worry, I'm not going to talk about politics. But, but, but like, I, I love it. I think it's going to be our third time watching it since we've been married. We've been married for 12 and a half years, so we've watched it numerous times now. But I haven't seen it in so long, we just started rewatching it again. And, and oftentimes, before we go to bed, we'll, we'll try to grab an episode, and and, 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 and so, so what happens, though, is, is we're, we're, watching, we're watching West Wing, and right about 20 minutes into the episode, right about 20 minutes in, um, I, I fall asleep. Uh, and this is pretty much the norm. And, and so what happens the next night, then, is, is I, all, of the, all of the wives are snickering, looking at their husband right now. Like, this is like a normal thing. I, I feel like we're really in this together. I like the friendship that's going on here. And, and so the next night, we're watching the new episode, and I don't have any clue what's going on. And, and so she'll fill me in. And not only is my wife good at staying awake for episodes, she's, she's also, like, like, weird about how good she is at knowing what's going to happen in every show. Like, I have no idea what's happening in most of the shows we're watching. I'm like, so, hey, so what does that mean? So, like, what's happening now? Like, this is a true story. And Courtney's like, are you serious right now? Like, you don't know anything. Like, she knows who's going to fall in love before they fall in love. She knows who's going to be the next president before the next president. Like, she knows everything about the show, I swear. It's, like, weird. It's that weird, like, motherly instinct or something. I don't know what it is. But, but I fall asleep, and I need her to bring me up to speed. That same thing oftentimes happens when we're reading the Scripture. Not that we fall asleep, per se, but there are details that if we miss it, we don't fully understand the greater the greater truth that's trying to be revealed within the story. Before we go any further, we got to first understand that what happened to Jesus, the reason why he was ultimately, ultimately killed on that cross, why the religious leaders of the day wanted to take him and punish him with the, the punishment of death, we got to understand first and foremost that there was a, there was a weird relationship that the, that the Jews had, that the religious leaders of the day had with the Jewish law. And that relationship really stemmed right around 440 B.C., so about 400 years before Jesus ever showed up. 
The, the Jews had just been released from Babylonian captivity, which we don't have time to get into all of that, all of that history. But, but ultimately, the Jewish people in that time realized that their, their hopes of ever being a great nation again has been strongly diminished. And, and that they're used to power. They were, they were used to kind of being known all around the world. These were kind of God's chosen people. And so when they're released from captivity, they kind of lost all of that hope of ever having national greatness again. So what they did was they began to take great pride in being people of the law. So we do the same thing today. We realize when we lose control over one thing, we try to gain control over something else. And so they, they, tried, to be, they tried to become very controlling when it came to the way that you had to appropriate the Judaic law. And, and I'll give you an example. One of the things that the law said was that you can't work on the Sabbath. So every seven days is meant for rest. So you cannot work on the Sabbath. Now, now the Jewish leaders of that day, the religious leaders, that word work was too general of a term. They couldn't control people to the degree that they wanted to control them if all that work was was just this ambiguous term of work. So they, they began to say, you know what? We're going to ascribe even more instruction. And they started to add some of their own stuff to the law. This was just human. They, they, just, they just added it themselves. This wasn't from God. This was just from them. So much so that they even said, on the Sabbath you cannot heal. You can't heal on the Sabbath. Now you can help somebody and keep them from getting worse. So if they... If they, need a, if they have a, a wound on their arm, you can bandage them, but you, you can't put any salve or, or healing ointment on, on them because that would actually help them get better. you got to wait until the next day. Now, this is crazy to think, but this is what they did. And if they saw anybody who was going against the law, then, then they would punish them. And that's why they didn't like Jesus because Jesus really didn't have any room for a law that superseded human compassion. But, but because of the ambiguity of the law and because of the desire that the Jewish leaders had for control, they added even greater specificity to it. So, so Jesus shows up, and, and, he, and so, so understand that right now, that, that, that Jesus shows up. It's the Sabbath right now. It's the Sabbath. And Jesus is there in this house. All these religious leaders are there. It says the Lord's healing power was, was readily available there with, with Jesus, and we pick up in verse 18. It says, So some men carry, carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, they, they came and they brought their crippled friend. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof, took off some tiles, then lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, now listen to this, this would have seemed like blasphemy in this moment that here Jesus is and he's saying, hey dude, you're crippled. Obviously you did not come to me for forgiveness of sin, but young man, your sins are forgiven. Put yourself into this story for just a moment. We can relate pretty quickly to the religious leaders and what their thoughts were. Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked them, why do you question this? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'm going to prove to you right now. I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to prove to you right now that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, 
the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Now, something else we got to understand. Sin and suffering in Palestine in that day were, were inextricably connected. In other words, if you were crippled, it's because of something bad that you've done in your past. If you're sick, it's because of some wrong that you've committed in your past. We kind of do the same thing to people today. We think, oh, you're not well, it's probably because you deserved it. Oh, you're not doing real good in life and things aren't really going the way that you, that you had hoped or prayed or dreamed. It's probably because you deserved it. And Jesus kind of bunks that whole theory right here. But because sin and suffering were so intertwined and so connected, Jesus did something that was kind of unique. And here's where we got to kind of dig beneath the surface just a little bit. It, it, it's, it's the reason why Jesus begins by telling this man, hey, your sins are forgiven. Because if Jesus doesn't let the man know that his sins are forgiven, the man would never have believed that he could be healed. Because this man had been taught from a very young age that you are crippled because you did something to deserve it. And so Jesus says, you're forgiven and you are worthy of receiving my healing. I think that's, that's what Jesus wants to tell all of humanity. That's what Jesus wants to tell you and your coworkers and your spouse and your kids and your family members and your ex-husband and your ex-wife. You're forgiven and you deserve to be healed because of what I've done. Zach, you can come help me close out. I'm, I'm gonna close this, I'm gonna wrap it up, but I need you, I need you to lean in for just... Just, just five more minutes, just five more minutes here. Because for the religious leaders, for the religious leaders, if this man was cured of his paralysis, it was also proof that his sins were forgiven. Because these two things were so inextricably connected within Palestine, within that Jewish custom, and within that tradition in that day. And so Jesus says, hey, you're forgiven and you're healed. You're healed and, and you're forgiven. Now, none of that, none of that would have been possible. None of that would have ever happened. None of that would have ever been written down for, for, for the last two millennium for us to understand and for us to discover and for us to lean into had it not been for four friends who carried their one buddy on a mat all the way to Jesus. This, this crippled man and, and, and the forgiveness that he received from God and the healing that he received from Christ is really all a result of the faith of four friends. There's, there's a parallel story, it's the same story, but with a little bit more detail that in, in the book of Mark, in Mark's gospel, and, and it tells us that there were four guys who carried their one buddy to Jesus. And I can imagine if I'm, if I'm in that story, if I'm, if I'm there, if I'm there 2,000 years ago, I, I can imagine that, that these four friends started hearing stories about this guy named Jesus. And they're probably hanging out one day with their, with their paralyzed buddy, with their crippled friend, and they're just kind of shooting the breeze, enjoying the weather, and, and just telling stories like, like guys do. And, 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 they're, and, they're, and the one guy says, hey, the other day, I was down by the Sea of Galilee, and I, and I was listening to that Jesus guy. Y'all heard of Jesus? Yeah, bro, I, I, I heard about him. Yeah, I was listening to Jesus, and it was amazing the stuff that he was, that he was talking about. But, but furthermore, he... He took a few, a few fish and, and just a couple more, couple more loaves of bread and, and, and he fed the whole crowd. I'm telling you, there was like, 
like way over 5,000 men who were there that day. It was, it was crazy. In fact, I wouldn't have believed it myself that it was a miracle, except afterwards I saw all of the leftover bread and fish. And I don't know, it was crazy. He, he just kind of blessed it, broke it, and fed everybody. That's, that's kind of crazy, huh? I never heard of something like that before. One of the other guys speaks up and he says, wait, Jesus? I, that's funny because I heard a story about this guy named Jesus too. I wonder if it's the same guy. He, he was actually healing one of my buddies, Bartimaeus, you know, blind Bart. He was, he was healing him of his eye. He, had, he was blind. He couldn't see. And one of the other guys says, man, that's crazy. It can't be a coincidence because I know a guy named Jesus too. And, and, and I got a buddy and he, he was deaf and Jesus healed him. He can hear now. They're like, uh, paralyzed friend? Do you want to try this out? And they, and they, they, they pack up their, their friend on a mat. And the scripture says they carry him, they carry him to Jesus. Whether they knew where Jesus was or not, I don't know. But one way or another, they, they found out. They're, they're, I can imagine they're, they're asking people, hey, 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 you, you know where Jesus is? Uh, yeah, he's, he's, in, he's in Joe's house down the street. Okay, okay. Oh, my gosh, there's a big crowd over there. It says they get to the house where Jesus is, is teaching, and, and the crowd is so thick that they can't get inside. Because I don't know if you noticed this or not, but, but crowds were always following Jesus, which is crazy because sometimes we think that Jesus is, is just, like, full of judgment, kind of wants to crack a whip on us, and make us feel bad about all the mistakes we've done in our lives, but I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't think a crowd would have followed him. I, I don't see crowds following people like that today. And the crowd is so thick and they, they can't get into the home. And one of the friends, one of the friends, come on, you need a friend like this in your life. One of the friends, this is one of those crazy friends, you know that friend that will do anything that you dare him to do? One, the, the one friend is like, hey, we could try going up on the roof. And then you got that one conservative friend, you know, come on, you, you kind of need that conservative friend. I don't really like that conservative friend, but I know I need that conservative friend. The conservative friend is like, the roof? That says hi. Scary up there. Says, Shut up, dude. Just get up on the roof, you know. They, they carry their buddy up on the roof, and they get up there, and they're like, now what? They look at the ringleader. He's like, what? We could tear it apart. They look at the scared friend, and he's like, if my mom finds out, she's going to kill me, man. You know? They start ripping the, the ceiling tiles off of the roof. I bet in that moment there's some people in the home and they begin to feel the dust and the debris fall from the ceiling. Homes in that day would have had a ceiling about nine to ten feet high, so it wouldn't have been that high. And they look up and they, what's going on? What, somebody ripping the roof apart? The homeowner's like, guys, stop! You know? Jesus says, hey, fellas, what's What's going on? Are you Jesus? Yeah. Our, our friend, he's, he's crippled, he's paralyzed, and we, we brought him to you, hoping that you could do something for him. We've tried everything. He's tried everything. But we heard that you, you've done some pretty miraculous things. Yeah, bring him down. Oh, shoot. Oh. Anybody got rope? Oh, man, I don't have rope. I don't carry rope on me. Like what? Well, we could just drop him. He's already paralyzed. <laughs> like, like. Are you okay with that? Yeah, it's 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 fine, guys. Just, they they lower the man. 
down into the room. It says they put him right in front of Jesus. Son, your sins are forgiven. Oh, and by the way, get up and walk and go home. Four friends whose names will probably never know on this side of eternity. I want to meet those four friends. Hope when I get to heaven. Say, man, your faith inspired a community called Ethos. What would it look like if we had the faith of those four friends who were willing to go through the roof for all of our friends, all of our family members, all of our coworkers who need to know that Jesus minus nothing is everything. I, 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 think, I think there's something in this story that God wants to speak to us today. Something even as we approach this Easter season, there's something about Easter. There, there really is. There's something about Easter that I, th- I, think, I think God made it this way for us to celebrate this holiday where people are just more susceptible and likely to be open to the good news of Jesus. And it's, it's kind of like, I don't think we have one shot every year. I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think, I think we've got, I think we have 365 shots every year. I, I do think that, that that one day on Easter that there's something special about it. I think it's on that one day that Jesus is like, go through the roof. Go through the roof. Do whatever you got to do on this day to go through the roof to get people to meet. How much do we love the people who are paralyzed on the mat? How much do we, how much do we see the people who have been crippled for so long that they don't even recognize their paralysis any longer? To what extent do we believe that if we just bring people to Jesus, everything could change. I, I want to close with this with this really quick story. I, I promise you, I won't take long. I, I promise. But but there's this there's this guy. His name is Mike Yaller. We got a picture. Scott, if we can throw this up there, that's Mike there with his son and his wife. And that picture now is about 16 years old. About seven, maybe about 17 years old. Mike has a has a special place in my heart because when I was 18 years old. It was March of my senior year of high school. I, got, I am a little bit emotionally unstable, by the way. So if you're checking this out for the first time, this is me. But when I was, six, when I was 18 years old, Mike gave me a call. I still don't know how to, I still to this day have no idea how I got my number, but he gave me a call. This is, like, this is before the days of texting. And he, get this random number. and It's also before the days that you screened all of your calls, too. You just picked up whoever was calling, and, and I picked it up, and Mike invited me to come out to breakfast with him, and Mike was a local youth pastor of whom I've seen around my school at different times when there'd be, like, tragedies or something would happen, and he would come and kind of give some counsel to students, but, but I didn't really know Mike very well, but Mike had learned and had heard kind of through the rumor mill that I was kind of searching and Trying to, trying to figure out my faith and I was getting ready to, to graduate and I was going to go to school to play football and I just really wasn't sure if this is what I wanted to do and, and, and Mike had heard that so he calls me and says come hang out with me for breakfast and some of your fellow classmates you'll know them all it'll be, a, it'll be, a, it'll be just a, a non-awkward morning just come hang out with us we started, to, we started to grab breakfast together once a week and for the next three months Mike really challenged my faith he challenged my faith so much that and I'm convinced to this day, I've told my, I've told the story about Mike literally all across this nation as I've had the opportunity to speak at different youth events and 
was a youth pastor for about eight years, and and and, and Mike, Mike actually has no idea that I tell his story, because I haven't talked to Mike since June of of 2003. And yet, for three months, Mike just kind of took me under his wing and kind of coached me and answered questions. And oftentimes, when I had questions, he would be so honest, and I so appreciate how often he would tell me, I don't know. I would have questions about faith or Christ or God or just weird questions about the world, and, and he would say, I don't know. And, and even that, I loved so much about Mike. And, but at one point, at one point, Mike really challenged me. He said, Jordan, you only got three months left of school. You have some influence in your high school. You, you need to take advantage of this. You need to tell some people your story and the story of Jesus and how the two of them connect together. And he kind of helped me understand the value of that. And at one point, Mike said something to me that, I, that, I, that, I, that I've never forgotten. And he said, he said, Jordan, he could tell I was timid. He could tell I was scared. He said, Jordan, you can rest assured that you'll never enter heaven saying, I wish I had done less to introduce my school to Jesus. And I thought, that applies to us today. And no one will ever enter heaven ever saying, I wish I had done less to introduce my world to Jesus. Mike had so much influence on my life that I am absolutely convinced that I would not be here today if it wasn't for Mike. I, I just know I wouldn't be. I didn't have the backbone to do it. I wasn't willing to step into a community and environment of faith on my own. My dad helped me through all of that, and, and I had friends who, who kind of connected with me after Mike did, but Mike was the guy, he was the influence, he said, come, be a part of my family, be a part of my community, be a part of our space. And every Wednesday night, I'd go to his youth group, and every Thursday morning, we'd go and grab breakfast together. For three months, Mike changed my life. Mike created for me a one-day experience for everything. So there's this prayer that we prayed last week, and I want to put it up there again this week. And we're going to close right here with this. And it's just a prayer that I want us to kind of think about, resonate with. And I think this is the heart of God right here. Prayer just says, let me be broken with the things that break your heart. Use us in such a way that is utterly disproportionate to who we are. This is our prayer for Easter this year. God, let our hearts be broken with the things that break your heart. And that's people. This whole thing comes back to people.